Are you ready to supercharge your music career? You've come to the right place. This is the Real Musicians Don't Starve podcast. The only show where you will learn firsthand how musicians just like you have turned their passions into highly successful long-term careers. I'm your host, Michael Elsner, and I'm so happy to have you with us today. Now, let's dive into this episode. I am so excited about this episode today. I have a friend of mine named Brian Carrico with us. And uh, Brian and I have a similar beginning to our careers. And and, our, and then our, our paths completely went in different directions. And, and we're going to get to that in a second. But Brian is currently the video director for Blake Shelton. Now, prior to working with Blake, he's worked with uh, icons such as Aerosmith. And uh, I just like saying this, Sir Paul McCartney. That's That's fun yeah. to say. Uh, he's also worked with uh, uh, Thomas Rhett, another well-known country artist. Uh, he is in the Full Sail Hall of Fame. Full Sail is a school that both of us attended. Uh, and and uh, and what I, I love about Brian's story is it is a great example of pivoting, finding opportunities, and then pivoting to capitalize on those opportunities. So uh, welcome, Brian. I'm, I'm so happy that uh, you're taking some time out of your day to, uh, to talk with us. Thanks for having me, man. This is great. Well, so uh, both Brian and I uh, are students of a, or graduates of a school in Florida called Full Sail University. And Brian graduated in 1997 with a degree yep. in recording arts. And, uh, and, and I, I graduated in 1998 with the, with the same degree, which basically means that, that we know how to run, uh, large consoles and, you know, record, uh, <laughs> using microphones and, and whatnot. And especially back then, it actually meant that we knew how to record onto analog tape. Um, but, but once, once, you know, both of us graduated, our, our careers took, you know, dramatically, uh, you know, different paths. Um, and, uh, and Brian, I'd love for you to kind of share a little bit about your story. Normally, I don't have guests share their 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 background, but but I think this is very interesting. So I'd love for you to share how you how you first you know what got you to go to you know audio school, and then how you got out, and then started making all these different pivots to get into lighting, and then you know video uh, since then. So uh, man, it was it was a wild journey getting there. So I guess it really started for me. My oldest brother, um, you know, I looked up to, we listened to music all the time. I remember we would make speakers, <clears throat> make our own speaker boxes. And for one time we made three of them. So we could like lay down and our, our head would be on the sides and on top. And we were always just kind of in, into that kind of stuff. And he's at that point, um, he was into classic rock, which, uh, there's about, um, nine years difference between us. So. I was not listening to the same thing my friends were. Um, I was just what he was, which I thought was really cool. <clears throat> and we, um, and I grew up, you know, in West Virginia, Huntington, West Virginia, not exactly the entertainment mecca of the world by no means. And um, so I would go to concerts. And I remember the very first concert I went to was Brian Adams' Reckless Tour. Um, and if, if you remember the very first concert you went to in roughly the same place you sat, you're, you're probably good, good to be in the, in the music industry. Uh, but I remember exactly the same place I sat. Um, we went to the concert and I just remember when the house lights went out um, and the concert went on, I just, there was something there and I just thought, man, this is, this is amazing. And it's just the coolest thing I ever felt. And as a kid from West Virginia, I thought, well, 
I, the only way I'll experience that is go to concerts. I never thought that was a career. I never thought that I could do that as, as a living. So I continued on. And when I graduated high school there in, in, in Huntington, West Virginia, I started uh, into art education. Um, I, a little side story. I, I love doing ceramics. I did like five or six years in ceramics. I love throwing clay on a potter's wheel. <clears throat> but I, I went to school there for a year. Had no real ambition what I really wanted to do. Um, I remember my goal was to, at least my first year, was to get a 2.0 average so I could be on <laughs> academic probation. Um, so I set my goal at 2.0, and I got exactly that both semesters, 2.0 exactly. Um, and then from there, I went on and actually served a mission for my church. I moved to Oregon for a couple of years. And I was... Um, had a day off and was kind of reading through Rolling Stone magazine and saw an ad for uh, for Full Sail and I thought, man, there's actually a school that kind of talks about this. And I remember all that. I was just, well, what the heck? Let's let's try it. So I called, and that's kind of how I started Full Sail. And I really had just no idea when I went there really what I wanted to do because um, I didn't really know there were so many options. So you know, obviously recording arts in a studio. I thought that was going to be my path. Um, I remember when school there one day, uh, there was an event and they said, hey, whoever wants to do audio, go over to this side. And whoever wants to do lighting, just go to this side. And everyone naturally went to the audio side. There was only like three of us standing there. So I thought, well, I'll just go to the lighting side because well, I'll probably have a job because there's not hardly anybody over there. <clears throat> and that was my whole motive off the bat was like, well, I'll, I'll, at least I'll be able to work and I'll be somewhere in the playing field of whatever these guys are doing. And um, when I said a lighting console, I realized color mixing and I realized all this stuff made sense for my art education classes. And um, you know, it was for me sitting down at a lighting console and understanding lighting, it became so easy to me. Um, you know, just like these guys that I really don't like who pick up and just play a guitar. Cause I, I don't, <laughs> I don't play, I don't play any, any instruments whatsoever. Uh, but that's another story of probably why I don't, but, um, um, but anyway, I just kind of picked up on it and just, it just all kind of started to make sense. So here I am at an audio school and I'm interested in lighting and they did have some connections there. So I did make a connection with a company called Barry light who at the time, um, if, if anyone knows the quick background, Barry light was the company who made the first moving lights it was actually on Genesis. So very uh, pioneer into the industry. So I finished school there and uh, got a, a small internship at Verilite, which moved me to Nashville. Um, and from that point, at, at that point, I was like, okay, well, I just want to tour. I, I want to be on the road and I, I, I love music, appreciate music. And I just want to help with music. And I love that energy at the beginning of a show when, um, you know, uh, two, two favorite words are, uh, you know, go house lights. So, I, I love that every night. I've been at this now for over 20 years. Um, and still those two words just send chills up my back. And uh, it's it's an absolute rush um, that, that's never left. So that, that's kind of how I got there. I started in lighting. Uh, I was in lighting for about 15 years. And then from there, I started pivoting over into video, where lighting and video kind of started, started actually merging together. So then I started down the video path in, in touring. 
Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the, the, the quick of the story. You know, it's funny. I, I remember our very first day when I got to Full Sail, um, first, my first class was in, uh, I think, the first week of October 1997. And they were going around the room and everyone had to stand up, introduce yourself, where you're from and what your goal is when you graduate. And of course, you know, I, I stood up and I said, my goal is to, you know, play guitar. And I remember during the break, a bunch of guys came up to me and they're like, you're at the wrong school. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, not really, you know, because because I, I, I can play guitar. I wanted I wanted to learn how to, you know, do the other stuff to, you know, make it sound good, you know, right. and uh, and be able to record and 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 be in control of, the, of that process. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's funny because, you know you get it, you get an engineering degree. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to suddenly go into a studio and, and become an engineer, but even with what you do and no matter what, what, what it is, video or lighting, uh, you know, that it, it's, it's all part of the experience of a live show. It's just as important as the drummer in the band, you know, uh, you know, the, the, you have the musicians up there, but without the sound and without the lighting, you know, it, it doesn't really create much of an experience. And, of course, as as so many people know now, you know it's very difficult to make income as as musicians selling records. You know that that's right. it's a whole different world than it was back in you know the seventies, eighties, and nineties. You know, uh, to where now it, it really comes down to three elements that I see that artists actually make money from. Uh, they make money from touring, they make money from their merchandise. And then, of course, you know, they make money when they get, you know, um, TV placements or, you know, licensing fees and, and royalties and stuff like that. But record sales don't really turn into large, large income for the vast majority of artists out there. So, you know, regardless of the role, when you're when you're doing live stuff, whether you're the guitar player, the drummer, the lighting guy or the front of house mixer, that is such a key element to, you know, the um, the experience that people are coming for. Yeah, it's, it's interesting how that how our industry and the live performances has pivoted. I mean, originally, touring was advertisement for an album. Like we, you aren't supposed to make money. Um, you know, I remember someone telling me that's why so one had these such extravagant rock star parties was you know they were trying to spend money because touring was not supposed to make money. All the money was made on the album sales. You know, and I, I saw that a little bit, you know, kind of the pivot of that in my career and watching how, you know, it went from, uh, I, I think, too, a couple of things happened simultaneously, which made it real interesting. Artists, you know, technology grew, technology got us to where we are, you know, um, you know, analog is great. Analog has its own sound for sure. Uh, I'm glad I don't have to deal with cassette tapes anymore. Um, I'm also glad I don't deal with scratch DVD or CDs in my car anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, it's great. We moved to this streaming method, um, uh, which everyone's at now, but you know, the technology has really put us in this different spot on the entertainment side and the live entertainment side. The technology is there for us to make these really great moments and to really add on to a live experience and to really encapsulate it. And, you know, I think, I remember, I remember a time was, you know, it was like it, when they, when they were live, they sounded just like the album. And I thought, I, would, I always thought to me, like, why would you want to sound just like the album? I mean, I would just stay homeless to the album. I, I want to go live. I'll, I want the experience. There's a, there's an environment I want to take in. Uh, and the first time, you know, I really noticed that was at a Jimmy Buffett concert. Um, <clears throat> and this was before I started, started school uh, at Full Sail. But I remember I walked into uh, it was a 
at Buckeye Lake up in Ohio. And the moment from the tick from the where they took your ticket, you walked into Margaritaville. I mean, the merch booths were set up, you know, palm trees, um, the whole the volcanoes out in the lawn. <laughs> um, it was just a whole experience. It was like, okay, we're not here just for the music. There's something else. And that's what I think in the live, the live industry is um, I, I think that's we all realize that's what we miss, especially through COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, I someone asked me, says, what do you think about live streaming events? You know, my, my comment was, you know, I'm not sure it was the one they were looking for, but my comment was a lot, a streamed live event. is kind of like going to Disney world and finding out that Chuck E. Cheese is filling in that week. I mean, oh. it's, it's a show, it's a mouse. Um, it's not the mouse you're wanting. And, you know, it's, it's just, it, all the parts are there, but it's just not the same. And I think that's really kind of kind of how what live streaming is. I mean, obviously we're seeing that the, the fan base, the fan confidence of wanting to go to a show is there by far. Everyone's ready to go see some live entertainment. Right. Um, and that's just what we could not get through 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 streaming events. I, I love the analogy <laughs> to Chuck E. Cheese and Disney. But uh so let's let's dive into kind of you know some of the 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 strategies because um you know you and I initially met because we, we've, we've spoken on, on a couple of stages at the same time uh, at a couple of events. And, and, uh, and I have to say that um, every, every time you spoke, you always just, you always just, uh, you know, uh, you, you always drop the bombs. I was always, <laughs> always very impressed where I'm like, man, he's a quiet guy. And then you speak and it's like, Holy cow. You know, the room is silent. Cause you, cause you just gave some of the most amazing uh, advice. And um, when it comes to, you know, because people who are listening to this, they're at various stages of their career. Uh, when it comes to, you know, building your career and, and when it came to building, and even now, you know, kind of even uh, post-COVID and, you know, kind of starting over and, and, and getting things, you know, ramping up again, uh, what are what are some of the key strategies that that you've seen people implement that have allowed them to really just take off while at the same time, some of the bad ones that you've seen other people implement that they just drop off. Cause you know, as, 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 as you know, and we've been in the industry long enough, there are people who come in all the time and then they just disappear. And, and there's a reason for that, but I, I would love to know your perspective of uh, what are the success strategies and what are the failure strategies that a lot of people uh, implement thinking that it's going to allow them to succeed, but it ultimately, you know, gets them out of the industry in a very short amount of time. I, I think the biggest one is you you have to be flexible. Um, flexibility in your career, especially starting out. You know, when, um, when you're starting out, you're one, you're trying to network with people. You're trying to meet other people to do what you do and trying to get on different shows that they do. Um, so for me, and I, and I, I never really had a, a, a it was weird when I started, I don't think I really had a plan. I never wrote down a plan. Uh, my plan was I'm going to do this. And that was the plan. Yeah. I didn't have, I didn't have a plan B. I just, it's just whatever it took to do this, I'm going to do this. So I remember one time um, I I took a job and um, someone said, Hey, we don't have any lighting positions left, but can you do the, can you just do curtains for us? There's a lot of curtains and hang curtains and deal with them for this corporate show. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So I, I went and did curtains for a show. Uh, you know, I think people get caught up 
a lot in, you know, whatever job I choose, well, that's going to identify me. Um, and I, I don't think that's, especially in the live entertainment, you know, our, our shows are just, a tour is maybe a few months long anymore these days. You know, a corporate event is just a one-time show. Um, so I can go do drapes. I'm not going to be considered the drape guy. Um, I did a show one time and I was, they needed someone to assess, uh, assist the florist. So I was the floral assistant on the show and it, it, it's fine. It's, it's, um, it's so much easier to network in the live industry when you're inside the arena than when you're outside the arena. And what I mean by that is any, anywhere you can get inside the gig is where is the best place to network. Now it may be, even if, um, even musicians, I, I can't see, think of how many musicians I know who are still have great jobs and they still play on Broadway from time to time. And it's because of networking. It's just, you know, it's a great place to be. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing bad or negative, I think, by, you know, taking a job and maybe a step down from what the job you just did. Um, you know, I, I think it's really bad for someone to say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just a guitarist. And uh, I mean, I remember in the, in the Thomas Rhett band, I mean, the, the keyboard player and guitarist is, he said, I well, natively am a bass player, but you know, I start, this was the job that was offered. So I did because I could do it. Um, so, and, you know, and he's had, he still has a great career. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, I, I think everyone just gets too locked into what's the happening right now is what's going to define you. Yeah. I think a, a big key to that is, is, uh, is putting the pride aside. Uh, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I, I obviously, you know, I mean, a lot of my, my career has been as a guitar player, but my very first tour was actually in 2009. It was actually with, with a band that was my favorite band growing up, but I was, I was the guitar tech and, uh, I'm not a guitar tech. I don't know the first thing about guitar teching. I mean, I can fix my guitars and tune them and, you know, and make them sound good. Uh, but I'm not a guitar tech. And I remember even, I even told the, the guitar player when he asked me, he said, I told him, I said, I'm not a guitar tech, but, um, but this was also the guy who, who I was, you know, I started playing guitar because of him back in the, in the late eighties. Um, but yeah, you know, and, and there was that, there was that element of going, I'm not a guitar tech, but this is such a cool opportunity. Who gets this kind of an opportunity at that point I was playing guitar on movies. And TV shows, by the way, in 2009, I was playing guitar on a lot of different TV shows. But yeah, I took about uh, you know uh, a month and a half, two months out of my life to go be a guitar tech on a tour because that was going to be a fun experience. And I actually, I actually ended up meeting uh, Michelle uh, Petnato, uh, you know who you know. Uh, yeah. She was actually a guest in in, in season one, by the way, uh, of of this uh, podcast. But she's also a full sale Hall of Famer. And she's worked with, you know, so many huge artists as, as a front of house sound mixer. And just like us, went to the same school, got the exact same degree, but had a, you know, completely different, you know, trajectory in, in her career. Uh, but um, gosh, I, I think, you know, it, it is important to to put pride aside. As I was sharing with you earlier, I have a great friend. Oh, I have a friend of mine. I, I can't say great friend. I have a friend of mine who unbelievably, just an unbelievably naturally gifted musician. I'm very envious of, of his natural abilities as a guitar player, as a singer, as a songwriter, uh, just very, very skilled, good looking as well. And um, basically all the elements to have a great career. 
if 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 he just got out of his own way and and allowed himself to write music for other people, uh, play play for other people, produce other people, but because he was so focused on only doing his thing, and that door never really opened for him, he's he's no longer working in music anymore, and it's, it's a shame when when the reality is that his talent could have allowed him to have a tremendous tremendous career, and it really was just pride, unfortunately. So- so I'm just curious and not to interview you during your interview, but uh, so when you were the guitar tech, is there anything that you learned from that, that made you a better or think differently as a guitar player? Yeah, I learned a lot from that because uh, prior to that, as a guitar player, I had only either done studio work or like lower level gigs. So I'd never done a major tour. This was a major tour. This is actually their, their a reunion tour and they're like the Beals of Japan. So it was, it was, crazy. Um, I got to experience a lot of things. I got to experience, I remember, you know, sitting on the train, you know, uh, the bullet train and, you know, there are cameras, you know, just a couple, you know, feet from my face and, and the guitar player, real guitar player was sitting next to me. And I turned to him, I said, Paul, you want, you want us to see? So he goes, Oh no, you can deal with that for a little bit. And I remember the biggest thing that I took home from that was I like the fact that I can go to the grocery store and no one bothers me. I like the fact that I can do anything throughout my day and no one bothers me. And, and having experienced what their life was like overseas, like literally people in the hotel, you were coming back from a from a gig, people at the hotel, just the lobby was lobbed, the, the lobby was was mobbed. Uh going to the train station the next day, there were fans who knew what trains we would be on, and they were all there flying into another city. There would be people at the airport. I mean, it was crazy. And I remember thinking. I don't like this. I mean, I, you know, I mean, I was nobody, but, but just as a part of the experience, I didn't like it, you know? Um, and, and I, it was really one of those things where I thought, I'm glad I got to experience this without having to experience it really firsthand. Uh, that was my biggest takeaway. I, I, I really, it really hit me how fortunate I was to be able to do a lot of work behind the scenes but do the work that I really loved without having to be the face like I was seeing them. And I was, you know, experiencing, you know, slightly from, from an outside perspective, but seeing what they were going through. And it, it completely made sense to me um, uh, why a lot of artists have a hard time with, with fame at that level. Yeah. Yeah. It's my dad. The reason I asked that question, because I've done that a lot, you know, I've, <clears throat> I always, I always try to think whatever, what can I learn from whatever experience? I've taken, you know, even if it's not in my career, but you know, maybe it was just a job. And, you know, my dad told me, he says, you should always try to learn something from, from someone all the time. And I always thought, man, that's, that's interesting. I always try to learn something from someone. And I had a roommate one time. He was, he was horrible. And uh, I just kept thinking to myself, what would I learn from this guy? I kept thinking of those words my dad was saying. And what I really learned was, well, I didn't want to be that guy. Uh, and I remember how he was, how he treated me, you know, I was like, you know, I don't want to treat people like that. So, I mean, I think you're, you're always, I, I try to not chalk anything up to a really bad experience. You know, I think we can always learn something from it, but I think too, I think that's what helps you grow as a musician or anything in, in your career. Uh, multiple experiences just help you a, a more well-rounded person, yeah. which I think is what really kind of helps achieve you along. Well, I, I agree. And I don't think that success is a linear path. 
No, you know, if it's, it's, it's kind of like getting in the car and driving, you know, I, I, what you said really resonated with me because when I got out of school, I didn't have a, I didn't know the path to get where I wanted to go. I just knew where I wanted to go. Right. So I think that because I knew where I wanted to go, like you, we were much more malleable along the way to do other things. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I started off as an assistant engineer. That was the last thing I wanted to do. Um, and I did that for a couple of years. I, I learned a lot about mixing. I got some great mixing skills. I worked with great people. I was very fortunate about that. But the first opportunity I had to get out of that and and transition over into, you know, full-time guitar. And, and while I was playing guitar, I ended up transitioning into production uh, where I was actually producing a lot of demos and, and playing for different people at that time. That was more along my path, but again, that wasn't that wasn't the final way to get there where I wanted to go. And then I moved out to LA. And next thing, and you know, I'm playing guitar on a bunch of TV shows. I never expected that, but being malleable allowed those opportunities to present themselves. And then it was through that that I got my first song on a TV show, and that opened up a whole new world. You know, so so being able to move, you know, and and turn, it's it's just like driving a car to the you know. To, to, to the to the submarine shop, right? Where you want to go get a sub sandwich. If you drive straight, eventually you're going to hit a tree or you're going to hit a house. You most yeah. likely have to turn along the way. And success in, in the entertainment industry is very much the same. Someone told me that uh, when uh, the first um, Apollo mission that was going to the moon, they were exactly on course 2% of the time. Wow. 2%. They were always have always they were always having to at some point you know make a course adjustment to get back on on the path of where they had to go wow 98% of the time making adjustments yeah yeah absolutely i think when it, that's that's the way with all of us and you know when you're talking about when we both left school I, and people that are starting out in this uh in, in the music industry and trying to figure out to be a musician um you, you don't know you don't have the knowledge to know how to get to where you want to be so there's no way there's no way you can make a a plan and that plan's going to work. Mm-hmm. So just give up the thought that you already know how to get there because you don't. It's just you have to kind of discover it uh, a, a bit by bit. Yeah, I, I have people say to me all a, a lot, fairly often like, "Oh, you know, you're I, you're so lucky to do what you do or whatever." And 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 uh, my answer to them is, I just stayed in the game. I mean, that's really what it boils down to. You know, yeah. when you stay in the game long enough, exactly. It's basically what you said about, you know, getting into the arena, you know, uh, when you, when you're in the game, it, it, it's a lot easier for opportunities to present themselves, but you have to stay in the game and you have to put yourself in that, in, in the position to be able to be in the game as, you know, as, as often as you can be. Yeah. I heard someone so, explain it easily. He said, uh, as far as being in the entertainment business and succeeding, you must be present to win. And that, that was it. You, you, you got to show up. You got to yeah. be there. Hey, I just want to jump in here for a second and let you know that if any of your goals over the next year include recording and releasing a new album, generating placements of your songs on TV shows and films, or just building a fan base that will sustain your music career, I want to invite you to my special workshop, Real Musicians Don't Starve. Now, in this workshop, we're going to focus on the three keys that are essential to your success. And you're going to walk away with an extremely powerful strategy that allows you to create your own wow factor. And this gives you the power to attract musical opportunities to you instead of constantly struggling and chasing after them. 
Now you can check out this workshop for free at realmusiciansdontstarve.com slash workshop. And once again, that's realmusiciansdontstarve.com slash workshop. Now back to the podcast. You were just talking about, you know, uh, learning and constantly learning, you know, what your dad was asking you. Uh, of course, when we were coming up, um, you know, we had to go to a physical school. Uh, online learning didn't, didn't exist. I don't even think I had an email address when I, when I left New York and went to <laughs> full sale. But, um, but now as, as you've, you know, pivoted, obviously every time you pivot, there's, there's new education that has to happen. How do you approach that now in your own life uh, with, you know, how do you approach learning new things on a consistent basis? Um, I, well, I think, I think we're forced to, if you want to just, if you want to stay in the game, you, you got to constantly be learning. Um, you know, even, even during the pandemic, I went back to school and finished and got a bachelor's degree. You know, so I had associates, um, I had an opportunity to come up. So I went and, and uh, got a bachelor's degree, um, you know, just constantly keep learning. I mean, some, sometimes we have the luxury of sitting down and maybe with a nice drink in the evening and read some manuals or, or read something. And then sometimes um, I've had where, uh, you know, your equipment breaks. Um, I had a, a, a video switcher uh, break on me um, at rehearsals and they said, great, we don't have any more of those. You'll have to go to a, a Sony. So I was reading a manual and had a Sony in front of me the next night was doing a show. So sometimes it's forced learning. Someone's learning about the seat of your pants. And sometimes you, know, you do the, op- the opportunity and option to learn slowly. But I think you need to be uh, suited and uh, uh, be able to, to learn in both scenarios. Yeah. Um, I can tell you as older, I was much better of a student when I went back to school this past year than when I was 23, went to school. Um, uh, I think one, I just learned how to, you know, success and, and being perfect all the time or trying to be as perfect as we can be has always, it's just kind of been instilled to me and being in the business a lot longer than when I first came out of school. Um, so, you know, I, if I got a 98, I would be like, man, what I miss, you know, I, I wanted to know exactly what I got wrong. Um, so I think as we evolve and we become, I, I think as we become better learners, um, that helps us become more successful, if you will. I, I, I agree. I, we also have a lot more at stake too. Yeah. It, it's a process to be a student. It is. Um, it's a process to be a teacher as well. And I think, um, honestly, what's really helped me is, is uh, I have a heart of teaching. I love teaching people and I'll teach anybody any bit of information I know. Cause I feel like I don't own any of it. Mm-hmm. I learned it from someone else. So um, I think teaching others also helps me understand how to be a, a better student listener, whichever word you'd like to place in there for sure. What, how did, so you, you actually got your, your bachelor's, you went from an associates to a bachelor's in during, during the pandemic. Yeah. That's and a, so that's a heavy course load. I got a bachelor's degree in um, show productions from full cell. Yeah. 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 That's a, that's a lot to do in a year, but that's, that's a perfect example of taking the time and utilizing it, you know, to your advantage and ultimately capitalizing it. And it kind of goes back to, you know, what, what we said at the very beginning of, you know, pivoting 
and finding opportunities. And I think that the pandemic was a great example of, of it was a way to, to either have, you know, have, have life work against you or have life work for you. Uh, and, and I, I've, I've talked to people who've, who've allowed both to happen. You know, yeah. there, there's some people I know where the pandemic was the worst thing in the world. And uh, I'm, there's a particular individual guitar player for a pretty, pretty well-known band uh, who, who you, you know, as, as well, who um, I saw him post on Facebook last year he said, is anyone as bored as I am? And I remember reading that post and I thought, how can you be bored right now? We, there, there's so much to be doing. There's so much to be learning. And, and, um, but you know, that was, that was their person. Then, then there are people like you who took that time and just filled it with, uh, you know, they, they, they utilize that time and, and to, to, to their advantage, you know, and, and yeah. filled it with, with knowledge so that they can, you know, set themselves up for success when things do get back to normal. And uh, I, I love that perspective. Yeah, I don't want another pandemic to come to happen. I, 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 I learned a lot of great things and I was able to do a lot of things during the pandemic that I would not have been able to do if I was uh, touring on the road all the time. Mm-hmm. And I get that and understand it. Um, but I don't want another pandemic to happen. By no means, I'm not advertising that at all. Right. But I think it's, we just have to create uh, you know, we, we create our own moments and, and we have to create our own, our own atmosphere. Yeah. So, um, you know, we take advantage of, of, of what's, what's lying around us. Right. So, uh, I have a, I have a question. I always love to ask this. If you could go back in time, uh, and, uh, go back to when you were, you know, 21 or 22 before you went to school or before you graduated, I should say. And you can sit down and have a conversation with yourself. What are two pieces of advice that we, you that you would give your twenty year old self right now? Well, I'm going to back up and go to about my twelve year old self. Okay. Um, when uh, so back, I I don't play any instruments. I wanted to play electric guitar because that's what the girls liked. And I told my mom I wanted to play electric guitar. She says, "Well, if you learn piano first, then you can play anything." And I was like. Well, that's dumb. Girls don't like guys that play piano. So I said, well, I'm not going to learn anything. And she says, okay, that's fine. It's up to you. So one, I wish I'd go back to my 12-year-old self and said, hey, man, just go ahead and pick up the piano and everything else will come along. Because I I do wish now, I wish I I took up an instrument and I've uh, thought thought of still trying to pick it up at some point. Um, But one, um, yeah, I think I I would uh, like to learn a little bit of music. Um, secondly, as far as on a career side, um, you know, I, I, I love my career and I love how it's turned out. It's a really, really hard question. I don't know what I would change. Um, but, um, I, I just don't have any idea cause I, I really love everything I've done mm-hmm. and I, I wouldn't want to change any of that cause I think it's where it's left me. Um, and even all the struggles and even, even all the, the, the pain that's gone through. And um, um, I think so. My, my wife and I, we, we've been married uh, 22 years. Um, so if you, if you want a relationship in the industry, you can definitely have that I'm yeah. proof of it. But yeah. Um, yeah, her and I were talking about that. Even all the struggles we've had just being gone all the time, you know, I just don't know what I would change because we've, it's all worked out really well for us. And it's molded me in, into what I am. Yeah. 
it, you know, there is, I don't know anyone who's had a long-term career in this industry that said it was easy. Um, no. But at, at the same point, I think, especially as we get older and, and look back on it, uh, I, I agree with you hundred percent. There, there are things where like, there were struggles. I would give myself some pieces of advice on like what to avoid, like, Hey, this is going to be coming up, avoid it. <laughs> right. But, but looking back, I, I look back and I think, man, even, even during those hard, rough, rough times, uh, I look back on them now and they make me smile. I'm happy. I went through them because I'm happy. I had that experience, even though I wouldn't want to go through that experience again. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I've been on shows where, especially, you know, working some of the, these large award shows, I mean, it's, there's a lot of hours in there. It's, I mean, it's physically painstaking on you at times, mm-hmm. but at the end of it, I mean, the end product is like, yeah, you know, I was, I was part of that. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you know, it's, it's not easy what we do. And, you know, the old saying, if it's easy, everyone would be doing it. Um, but, you know, I look at some aspects of my job. Well, I think what well, I think it's pretty easy, you know, mm-hmm. to, to video direct a show. That's pretty easy. Um, you playing guitar. I'm sure there's parts of it you think is really easy that other people don't. But there was times it wasn't easy. Um, I remember our guitar tech uh, with, with Blake, you know, he always said there's there's a there's a spot in playing guitar that it becomes hard. He says that's usually where people drop off. Mm-hmm. He says that's where you can tell the difference, like, you know playing some chords is, is pretty easy. And there comes a part where it gets hard. And that's where everyone starts, starts flaking off of, yeah. of getting into it. Yeah. That, that's, that's when, when you get past that, that's when you start developing your own voice on the instrument and you can improvise and, you know, and you yeah. can find yourself in different situations and be comfortable. And I think there's definitely that middle, there's a hole, you know, and, and, and uh, getting up to that's a bit of work, but when you get to that, that's when you have to decide, are you going to really make, are you going to really learn how to speak the language and make it your own? Well, you know, and if you do, then, then you go through a whole big process to get, get over that, that, you know, maybe fill in that hole. And, and I think a lot of people, they just kind of come up to it and they just kind of, you know, hang out along the surface of it. And then, you know, those are the people that, you know, you, you can tell it when you hear them play, you know, they don't yeah. have a specific voice or sound that's unique to them. Yeah. But uh, finally, real, real quick, uh, you know, I, I really don't think you're going to trump what you said earlier about being inside the uh, the you know the arena because I think I agree with that 100. I think that is you know probably the best piece of advice that that you know anyone can have. You know, it's it's always easier to have opportunities when you're inside the arena than when you're not, when you're on the outside. But for anyone starting new, let's say there's a 17-year-old listening to this and they're just wrapping up high school, uh, you know, they're moving on to that next phase of life. Uh, what would what would you advise them if, if, if they wanted to be in the entertainment industry and somehow, let's say they played guitar, but, you know, they just wanted to be in the, in the in- entertainment industry in some aspect, maybe not necessarily as a guitar player, whatever, songwriter, whatever. What would what would your advice be to them about the next step to take in their journey well i think there's a you have to put yourself in the environment for success and so what, what i mean by that is um you, you have to be able to kind of to make some some moves um one i think if you if you want to play in country music um you should probably come to nashville for a little bit 
it's going to be really hard to be in uh, Salina, Kansas and be in the Nashville scene. So I think a lot of people get kind of like, well, I don't want to leave my hometown. It's like, well, I think you have to do that at first and then you can move back wherever, you know, and you can kind of regain that life you want. I see that with people also on the technical side too, you know, Nashville and the, for a tech is notorious of, you know, the weekend warrior schedule. So they want people who live out of Nashville instead of flying them in every week. Um, so I have a friend of mine who did that. He moved to Nashville. He was here for a year and a half and then he moved back to Florida. He came here, he got established, found some connections, you know, and got to the point where he didn't have to be based out of Nashville anymore. So one, I think you have to be, you have to place yourself in the environment for success. Um, obviously if you're wanting to go fishing, the desert's not the place to be. So obviously we, we want to put yourself in that environment. Um, and, and two, like we talked about, you know, you gotta be, you gotta be flexible. Um, I'm a, you have to read the things that's happening around you, uh, be cognitive of what's going on around you. Um, you know, don't get, don't put the blinders on while looking uh, you know, for the one thing and realize, well, there, you know, just a couple steps over, there's another guy who just asked about, can somebody do this? Um, because I, I don't know about the musician side, but man, in the, and the, on the tech side, um, I've had, for example, I have filled out three applications my entire career, um, because it's all word of mouth. It's all about, Hey, are you available? I'm looking for one of these. Hey, I'm not, but a friend of mine is okay. Call him up. There's so many of that going on that it's very quick, quick in reaction. Because um, I think there's just, you have to just be ready for that, that quick notice. The least definitely starting out for sure. Yeah. It's interesting when we were doing the award show for uh, the CMT awards. <clears throat> um, we, here we had, we all had 12, 14 months off for, for the pandemic. And it still goes down to the last minute. We're still trying to figure out certain venues and things of that nature, because no matter how much time we have to plan, there's always something that you have to kind of overcome some kind of obstacles. So even though we had all the time in the world to plan ahead, you know, you're still just trying to figure it out at the end, at the end sometimes. Right. You know, uh, I, I the, the, the title of the podcast is, is real musicians don't starve. And, you know, the, it, you've said it a number of times, like you don't play an instrument. And um, I, I, I know a lot of engineers who also, you know, they don't play an instrument. Uh, they, they, they might be able to, you know, strum a chord or two on a guitar, you know, play a couple of chords on a piano, but they're not really players. But I still view them very much as, as musicians. You know, they're working with music. They're treating the console like an instrument. And it's, it's, it's very much the same thing, you know, with, with, uh, with video, with, with lighting, everything that goes into the actual experience of the show, you know, when you're running the light board, you're playing that light board as an instrument. Basically that's what it is. It's an instrument. It's not playing yeah. notes, it's, it's lights, but it is an instrument and, and same thing with video and all of that plays together to create the overall experience. You know, you can't put on a great show, uh, and, and have that great experience without great sound, without great lights. The every all the technicians who are a part of that world are are uh, essential 
to to that show running smoothly and and uh, you know and 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 the the walking away from that experience satisfied you know that that you got your money's worth and and even inspired you know how many times do you leave a concert like you were with the Brian Adams concert inspired to go this is amazing right that was a life changing moment for you but yet there were a lot of other people behind the scenes that made that happen and I think it's important to keep in mind as a listener it's not just about writing songs. It's not just about, you know, playing notes and chords on an instrument. There are so many other opportunities in the entertainment industry to make a living. And even if your goal is to write songs and to play an instrument, it doesn't mean that you can't work as a, as a technician in some capacity, uh, you know, to, to get those doors to open. Like I said, like I worked as an engineer, I have mixing credits on albums as a mixer. And that's the last thing that I am, but my name does show up as mixed by uh, on some, on a bunch of records, because that was the opportunity that presented itself at that time for me to stay in the game and keep moving forward. And uh, you know, exactly what you're saying about getting into the arena, you know, it's a lot easier to meet people inside that arena and have opportunities present themselves when you're inside the arena versus when you're on the outside. Yeah, that's a, that's important to keep in mind, no matter where you're at, what stage you're at in your career. And one other thing that, that you said that I loved was was you know you didn't realize how many opportunities were available to you, you know, yeah. and uh, and that's another thing that I, I'm always trying present that you know there's a lot of opportunity when we look for it. There's a lot of opportunity, but we also have to be able to. Uh, or be willing to step off that straight path that we've laid out for us and be able to walk walk off to the right or to the left a little bit. Sometimes you have to walk off to the left or to the right in order to move forward. Yeah. So. I, I think just the spontaneity. Um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of songwriters and I, I, I will completely just um, fanboy out anytime I get to listen to songwriters and how the process happens and how they feed off each other. I, I love that because I, that spontaneity is the is what is what's credited to so much creativity. Um, you know, even having a hard plan going in and just what what a small you know warm up riff uh, turned into the icon iconic riff of a, of a, of a song, or mm-hmm. how what someone said leaving leaving out from the writing session turned into something on the next writing session. Um, and, and I just I just love that, and I think when you know, I think the biggest thing to to realize is um, it's going to be extremely hard and difficult if you think you can navigate and be successful on your own. And um, because we we feed off off so much so much of each other, um, <clears throat> and I think it's it, we we're we become stronger by that as well. Yeah. Um, you know, when when you talked about you know sometimes people just don't want to well i'm i'm this in the industry and that's all i am but even though you have abilities to do something else you can make something else so so much stronger um interesting thing about i'm i'm a guy from west virginia so i i I still love agriculture and i love gardening and everything else but an interesting thing about oxen when oxen put on a you know oxen can pull so much individually but when two oxen put on a yoke they can actually pull more together than they can individually combined. Oh, really? So they're actually stronger when they work together. So I always think it's a very interesting concept. Yeah. We can, we can always be stronger when we're working together. 
Yeah, this is success in the music industry is is by all means it is a team sport. Uh, yeah, you know, this this is not one of those things where you're going to make it on your own 100. I, I, there's no way I would be where I'm at without having had the mentors that I had. You know, not only early in my career, but you know, throughout my career, and then of course the connections that you make, and and uh, you know, it, it, it is a team sport. There's there's no and, two ways about it. And knowing that, you know, and also, uh, well, if I can't do it on my own, I got to do it with others. And who do I want to be with? You know, that's you know, associate. You know, find find the group of people that that make you want to be stronger, that, that challenge you. Um, you know, I think that's, that's a key part as well to the success. I love it. Great. I knew, I knew you would, you, 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 there's like three unbelievable words of wisdom that that you've shared today. And, (laughs) and, uh, uh, every time, every time I've, I've heard you speak, I'm always like, man, he just always, you know, lays it down. And I love the analogy also of, uh, Chuck E. Cheese and Disney. Um, (laughs) But uh, I always love like to end uh, each episode with our manifesto. And that is that real musicians are business owners and our business is music. A business is simply an organization where value is provided in order to make a profit. And unlike starving musicians who operate with a mindset of scarcity and fear, as success-driven musicians, we operate with a mindset of abundance, confidence, and service. We are doers, we are dreamers, we are creators and we are achievers. We know that our true value is determined by how many people we serve and how well we serve them because our truth is real musicians don't starve. Yeah, that's great. Service. That, that, that was my favorite word, service. Yeah, it is It is a service. And that's everything that we do, everything yeah. that we do in life is a service if you want to generate income from it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's one thing I wish I learned uh, when I was in my teens and my early twenties. Uh, I didn't learn that until later in life, but but I wish I learned it earlier. But uh, that's definitely no matter where you're at in your career. If you're 17 years old and you're playing your first show tomorrow with your band, you're a service to the people who are coming to see you play. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, Brian, uh, I, I appreciate you uh, telling your story and and uh, dropping a lot of big nuggets of, of wisdom uh, with us. And uh, and I just want to thank you for coming and joining us. Thanks, man. I love it. This is great. And all the success. Hope to you. Awesome. Thanks. All right. We'll see you guys later.